Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. But it's tough when you have a kind of decentralized organization of rebels and free thinkers. We need to understand how the things we say are going to impact the kinds of people that we want to attract. neighbors and welcome on back to the OG, the flagship podcast here at Lions of Liberty. This is the 302nd edition of this program, and that means you can find the good old show notes featuring links to everything we discuss with today's guests over at lionsofliberty.com slash 302. And before we get to my guest today, I want to remind you about our great sponsor we've got right now. That's martinarmory.com, run by Chris Martin, a lover of liberty, an entrepreneur who decided to put his money and his time where his passion was, which was with the firearms industry. He's a big, passionate firearms advocate, and he decided to start his own armory where he focuses on only the top 25 most popular guns on the market to make sure you get the best prices. And if his prices weren't insane enough already they're even crazier because for a limited time you can get free shipping by using the discount code lions at checkout that's martinarmory.com don't forget that discount code lions for free shipping with me today is a marketing consultant who works exclusively with pro-liberty causes as part of her efforts she is also the host of the brand spanking new leading liberty podcast her name is jen gray jen are you ready to roar I am ready. Let's do it. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, Jen. It's a pleasure to speak to you. And, uh, you know, before we get into everything you're doing out here in the Liberty world, I really want to first get to know you a little bit better. So how did you first become interested in the ideas of Liberty? How did you get wrapped up in all this crazy Liberty jazz? (laughs) It's funny, Mark. I have kind of a weird um, Liberty origin story. I'm from a... Doesn't everybody? (laughs) (laughs) I think we do. I come from a family of almost entirely federal government employees. Okay, you win. That is actually a really weird one. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Maryland, and that, that's what you do when you grow up in Maryland. Everybody works for the government. And both of my parents worked for the NSA. My mom was a Russian linguist during the Cold War, and I always really liked learning languages too. So I always just kind of thought I would go that route because she told me, hey, you know, if you want to learn a bunch of languages in college, the government will pay you to learn more. I thought, all right, that sounds great. Let's, let's do that. So yeah, I was I was going to Hilldale at the time, which is the only school that doesn't take federal or state money. So I had a little bit of an advantage in that my school wasn't completely biased like so many Are others. Are they really the only school? Yep. There's one that doesn't take any federal, but Hillsdale is the only one that doesn't take any federal or state. Wow. Then that's, that's a good school to start a, a liberty sort of uh, experience. Yeah. So I was studying languages and stuff there, and I was majoring in history, which was a super popular major there. So as a sophomore, the only class I could get into that wasn't full was Bert Folsom's Economic History of the United States. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that sounds terrible. You know, I'd, I'd never studied economics before. And so I went to him and said, hey, um, this is the only class I can get into. It's a 400 level class. I'm a sophomore. I don't know anything about economics. <laughs> what am I going to do? And he gave me a copy of Henry Hazlitt's Economics in One Lesson and said, read this before the class starts. You'll be fine. And as I was reading it, 
I was so terrified of economics, but I thought, wow, this really, this makes so much sense. And it totally changed my paradigm on what I thought was the proper role of government. So I started getting a lot more interested in politics at that point, even though I had been a kind of team Republican, like you mentioned in, in your show previously before that, you know, voting for George Bush, because that's what my family did. Uh, why, why you got to bring it up, Jen? It's still it's so, it's so scarring to me when I have to admit that. But <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I did the same exact thing. But this kind of got me to question a lot of things along with a constitutional history class I took. So after graduation, this was right around Ron Paul time. And I was a big fan of him. I ended up deciding that I wanted to get into the liberty movement. So after college, I went out to Arizona and started working at the Goldwater Institute, which is kind of a free market think tank out here. And the rest is history. And did you go to Arizona specifically to work with the Goldwater Institute? Or did you just happen to find yourself there and, and kind of you know find yourself with that specific organization? Well, to be honest, I was dating someone who was from Arizona at the time. Ah, so that we got to the bottom of it. <laughs> so that kind of piqued my interest in Arizona specifically. But also Michigan is like the worst place on earth. And after four years of that, I thought I want whatever is the opposite of this. And I want to do something in the liberty movement. So when I found something that satisfied all three of those criteria, I thought, perfect. Well, as someone who's been to Michigan, uh, quite a bit. I, I can say safely say Arizona is pretty much the opposite of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jen, so uh, how did you actually immerse yourself then uh, after working with the Goldwater Institute in the in the broader liberty movement? What inspired you to sort of uh, start to apply your craft and your marketing skills to the liberty movement overall? Well, it's interesting. When I was at Goldwater, I basically had no skills. I was a glorified envelope stuffer at the very beginning, but I got to go to a lot of really cool events like the State Policy Network annual meetings and Heritage resource bank and stuff like that, and really got exposed to some amazing experts in the development and communication field that I learned a lot from. Um, I also worked with someone who kind of just threw me off the deep end and <laughs> gave me a lot of responsibility for things I really had no business doing. So I was, I was really fortunate in that regard and that I learned a lot. But I got really frustrated by what I perceived as this kind of looming crisis within the fundraising space for pro-liberty causes in that all of our donors were like 90 years old and it cost so much to to acquire them and I was the one kind of doing a lot of the data I've always really liked data because numbers don't lie and you know I'm crunching all these numbers about you know how much it costs to acquire a new donor with direct mail and saw that we were actually losing money on most of our prospecting efforts. And it wasn't until a year or two later that those things started to pay off because you're hoping that, oh, well, maybe maybe that one person who gave us 25 bucks will actually write us a $10,000 check three years from now. You know, And I thought, and I thought, you know, there are so many younger people who are interested in these ideas. I feel like we can, there has to be a way to do a better job of reaching those people. But social media was really still kind of in its infancy at that point. And there really just weren't as many opportunities to do things that we can do the way we do now. So I definitely wasn't a marketer at that point. All I knew was, hey, this isn't... <laughs> This isn't working. This can't last forever. This isn't sustainable. But um, I ended up working at another organization in Southern California where they were building iPhone apps to get people involved in local government. And I thought, well, this is this is a little closer, <laughs> you know. All the all the money was still coming from a bunch of much older people, but I at least felt like I was kind of on the right track. But then my um, my daughter was born, and I wanted to stay home with her for a little bit until I kind of got the itch because. I am that way. You weren't going to be staying home for, you know, the whole 18 years, huh? <laughs> 
I loved the time that I had staying home and just doing that. And I am glad I did it, but I needed to get back into doing something that I felt like was contributing to something, you know, a cause bigger than myself. So I decided to start a little business, which really had nothing to do with the Liberty Movement. It was a little fitness business. And that was the point where I started getting really interested in marketing because I needed customers. So I started trying to market it about and, you know, in all the ways that I had learned at these pro-liberty causes and political campaigns, and it wasn't working, you know, surprise, surprise, because the way we interact with people our own age is a lot different than the way we interact with people who who are 90. And so that wasn't working. So I thought there's got to be a better way. This is about four or five years ago. And this is around the time that Facebook video ads were kind of becoming a thing. So I started trying to learn everything I could about that. You know, I invested in a bunch of online courses and stuff like that with the top digital marketers I could find because I thought if I'm going to learn how to do this, I want to do it right. So within a week of starting my first Facebook video ads campaign for that business, I had brought more people onto my email list than I had helped the entire year before that. And I thought, wow, this is, there's really something to this. This might have some cool implications for the Liberty movement. But I just kind of started consulting for small businesses here and there, more or less freelancing until Gary Johnson came along. And I thought, there are a lot of cool things we can do with video ads to spread the word about this campaign and about liberty generally. And I don't see anybody else doing it. So I read this article in Reason Magazine um, where someone in their campaign staff mentioned that they were killing it with organic video, which they were. Their videos were amazing, but that they weren't doing any paid placement, which just shocked me because it's so cheap. I mean, literally for a penny, you can be getting between one and 10 views of people who don't already know you. So I reached out to the campaign and said, hey, you know, I'm happy to do this as a volunteer and nobody ever got back to me. So I thought, well, that's okay. I'll just do it myself because I already have a page. I already know how to do video ads. So I started shooting these really simple little ads on my iPhone and running them on my own dime. They were killing it, going total grassroots gangbusters. And I thought, this is really cool, but it's kind of taking a lot of money. So I'll just do what I would do for a business slightly modified. And instead of retargeting the viewers, asking them to buy my product, I will retarget them asking them to chip in. So I had this showed them the same exact video a second time said, Hey, did you like this video? Which I know they did because I saved them in an audience of people who watched it, you know? Um, Hey, did you like this video? Because if so, every dollar you chip in today helps me get it to a thousand more people tomorrow. And I ran this $3 ad that raised $300. Wow. So the former fundraiser in me kind of perked up at that point and thought, this is it. This is how we can acquire all these new donors and fix all these problems that I hated about the acquisition process, you know, in in doing direct mail and stuff like that. So that's when I got really passionate about spreading the word about these possibilities to other pro-liberty causes and campaigns. So I've since worked with several political campaigns doing stuff like this and am now starting to talk to pro-liberty nonprofits and stuff like that. So lots of cool opportunities ahead. It's really just a, uh, also a totally different way uh, of looking at who and in what amounts you get donations from because it, it really feels like, you know, political 
donors historically have always been seen as, like you mentioned, the big check writers, uh, you know, a 90 year old businessman who has to whip out his check. But now you can get donations for a dollar and have them be effective because you only spent three to get them out to hundreds of people to, to get that dollar each from them. So, I mean, if you can replicate that on, on a mass scale, which is kind of exactly what, you, what you're doing here, I mean, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. What's really cool about Facebook ads is it's not a, a, a replacement for that traditional fundraising, that personal face-to-face contact asking for a big check. That that still needs to happen. But there are basically two different types of, of supporters, right? You have those big dollar check writers who buy into the big vision and they understand why you need large sums at once. And then you have the people who really just kind of seen you for the first time and they kind of want to test you out. They might be younger and these are going to be your low dollar donors. So Facebook really is an acquisition tool to bring those people in and give them a really quantifiable call to action that they can understand. Because when you say, oh, you know, chip in, 10 bucks to help us fight the establishment. Like, like nobody knows what that means. But if, but if you say, Hey, we need 10 people to chip in X dollars so we can hire an attorney to defend these kids who are getting arrested for passing out pocket constitutions where you can say, here, here's what we need. Here is your role in that. They can understand that and feel like a a smaller contribution is, is making a difference. And then they can be cultivated into bigger donors in the long term. But it's really cool with the targeting and stuff like that. You know, you were saying with political donors, Facebook can actually build an audience for you of people who are likely to donate to conservative political causes, people who are likely to engage in liberal political posts, people who read Reason Magazine, people who like Ron Paul. I mean, anything. And you can be so specific about exactly who you're looking for and kind of test your message with a couple bucks and get these really valuable data sets that let you make data-driven decisions about your messaging moving forward. So you can figure out for $10, which of these is more compelling rather than spending $3,000 mailing out a bunch of mailers when you don't know if you've got the message right. Basically, we can use all of that big brother data that Facebook is gathering and uh, use it to our advantage by by yeah. <laughs> finding people that are likely to donate to liberty causes. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Jen, let's put aside uh, marketing tactics for a second. I know that is your area of expertise, but you also speak a lot about like the actual messaging of liberty. So uh, what are some of the, the biggest mistakes that you think that libertarians make in their approach to the marketing of their ideas, not from the tactical perspective, but from more the messaging perspective? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because both are super important. I mean, you can be doing all the fancy tactical stuff and having subtitles and call to action buttons all day long. But if your message isn't resonating, then it does the tactical stuff doesn't matter. So it's an important distinction. And I'm glad you said that. So with libertarians in, in particular, and, and all political audiences are, are guilty of this, because politics is emotional. But I think the biggest mistake we make is a combination of what I call starting with stupid, and <laughs> insisting on being right. You know, when I say starting with stupid, what I mean is assuming that the person you're talking to is an idiot, rather than trying to kind of understand where they're coming from and what problems they perceive. Because I think a lot of people do have libertarian leanings, but just don't know it yet. And so but when you start with insulting them or insulting a label or or group that they might identify with, they really don't like that. And you know, so it was interesting on the Mark Wicks campaign, we kind of tested a couple different messages. And we did one where we were talking about, you know, the frustration of voting for Republicans and Democrats, where we called them by the party name. And those videos really didn't do very well, which we thought 
they would. But when we tapped into that same exact sentiment, saying something like the partisan bickering that passes for public service these days, it did so much better, which was really just a slightly different way of saying the same thing. And not that we were saying, you know, initially that, oh, if you vote for Democrats, you're stupid, you know, (laughs) but that was, I think that was, that was what they heard. So we have to distinguish between what we say and what people hear and kind of put ourselves in the space of the person who's going to see this ad and, and decide how it's going to make them feel, because that's the most important thing of all is like, we need, we need them to resonate with us. We need them to feel like we actually care what their opinion is, because if we're able to ask questions in a way that gets thoughtful answers out of people, they can actually give us the language to use in our messaging. Who do you think are some of the best Liberty communicators out there right now? Larry Sharp. Hands down. He's amazing. He is such a rock star. And any suggestion that I contribute here is largely inspired by him. He is an amazing communicator for Liberty. I I had him on my show recently. And I asked him a Liberty communication question that stumped me for the past 20 years when it comes to talking to my family. Just to give you a a quick example of what an amazing communicator he is. I said, you know, how how can we have constructive conversations with conservatives about social issues when the comeback is always god? You know, well, I don't I don't support that because god. Well, it, it's very hard to argue with god. You know, whatever your religious leanings are, that's a pretty intense trump card, you know, like no, no pun intended. And I said, you know, how do we how do we get around that? Because I want to have an effective conversation with them. But I've never been able to put forth anything that has changed their minds whatsoever. And this is your own family we're talking about. So it's even a a more difficult thing to confront because you kind of had to tiptoe sometimes when you're having political conversations with your family because you don't want to get into a a family feud over your your politics. Exactly. I mean, my family suffered a lot during the last election. It really damaged a lot of our relationships because there were the Trump factions and the Hillary factions and then there's me, the lone wolf for Gary Johnson. So it was it was tough. And and I want to have these conversations in a compelling, compassionate way. Larry says, you know, if we want to change hearts and minds, we need to have hundreds of conversations, not arguments, conversations, you know, and it's hard to do that with people who, you know, who disagree with you. And so he suggested that I could ask if they believe in free will. And to then turn that to say, well, if we believe in free will, and we believe that God gives us a choice, whether we're going to follow him or not, or whether we're going to sin or not, then why wouldn't we be godly and extend that same right to other people, which I thought was just such a brilliant answer. Did you use that then? Did you go back and use that on your family? I haven't yet. I need to. <laughs> Do they listen to your joke? <laughs> I hope not. Because <laughs> then it might, it might be a bit of a spoiler alert. <laughs> what was the impetus behind uh, starting your show, the Leading Liberty Podcast? And uh, what are some of the things you've learned from some of the guests you've had on in, in these first couple months? So I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I've been listening to them for years, you know, when I'm walking, cooking, driving, whatever. I just, I like to learn new things because. When good comes in, good goes out. And I was listening to a lot of marketing and fitness and wellness and those kinds of things. And I thought, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to listen to some good libertarian podcasts. And I was looking for one that was kind of geared toward the marketing and communication side that, you know, yeah, I, I get the ideas. I've got it. I'm, I'm, I'm with it ideologically. But now what can I go 
do. And I wasn't really finding one that was kind of niched out like that. And I thought, well, I like those things, so I'll just start my own. <laughs> so that's how I ended up starting it. So it was it was the first marketing and communications podcast ever created for kind of, kind of geared toward pro-liberty professionals. And I have learned so much since then. I mean, a lot of the people that I've brought on at this point are people that I know more or less personally, but I'm kind of getting into people I, I don't. And, you know, like with Larry Sharp, for example, I learned so much from him just about ways to communicate with both conservatives and progressives in a more compelling way. I learned a lot from Nicholas Sarwark. Actually, he he came, he's the, uh, the chairman of the Libertarian Party. And he had a really cool perspective on how our personal outlook impacts our political effectiveness. So he was a great guest. I would say those are my top two. Jen, I've got a few more topics I want to dig into with you in just a minute. But first, I need to do a little bit of marketing of my own by giving a quick word to today's sponsors. I firmly believe one of the most important things you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones is to own a firearm. But for a lot of people, buying a gun can be an overwhelming process. There are just so many options, and not everyone feels comfortable walking into a gun store. Well, our friends at martinarmory.com are doing their part to change that. Martin Armory was founded with a simple goal, to make buying a gun simple and affordable. Instead of carrying thousands of different guns, martinarmory.com only carries 25. This allows them to focus on providing the most popular guns on the market at insanely cheap prices. And now for a limited time, their prices are even more insane as martinarmory.com is offering Lions of Liberty listeners free shipping. Simply go to martinarmory.com, pick an awesome gun, and enter the promo code LIONS. Again, that's martinarmory.com. The promo code is LIONS. All right, Jen, I want to have a little bit of fun here before we sign off, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. I wanted to get your thoughts from a, a marketing perspective on how you rate a few things in the liberty movement. And I, I know you don't need to uh, go stepping on, on any toes of people you might want to work with in the future. So uh, <laughs> feel free to be as vague as you need to be in your responses. But I want to get sort of your overall thoughts on some things, uh, starting with a kind of a broad perspective on, on the Gary Johnson campaign. How do you think the Gary Johnson campaign did overall? from a marketing perspective? Overall, I actually think the Gary Johnson campaign did a really amazing job with their marketing. Um, I thought their video content was stellar. They did a really good job of making things that people could see themselves in. I don't know if you remember that video where it's, you know, every, they're showing the phones in people's hands and saying every, every text, call, tweet, whatever makes a difference. And they, they were emotional. Like they were, they were beautifully shot. There were certainly some weaknesses, I think. I think they just didn't have an infrastructure that allowed them to use the skills of volunteers who were ready and able to help them. I think they were just overwhelmed by it, didn't have the capacity to use those people to the fullest possible extent. I thought it was really unfortunate that they didn't do any paid placement, but they did have a great team. And I think they did a really good job with messaging and with having compelling calls to action. You know, for example, you know, when I was saying earlier, how people don't like the, you know, chip in 10 bucks to fight the establishment because nobody knows what that means. They had some really cool call to actions where, you know, you could get a signed t-shirt from Gary if you chipped on on a certain day and the money bombs, those were a great idea. I remember seeing a contest they did where, you know, chip in by a certain day and you get a chance to win lunch with Gary. So those are all really amazing, compelling calls to action that inspired things for me for other campaigns in the future. So I think we learned a lot from it. 
They should have done like a signed map of the Middle East with like an arrow pointing to Aleppo. That that could have been pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> just an idea. I don't know. Maybe it's not the best idea. Uh, moving along, <laughs> I, I want to get your thoughts on just a couple specific things. And um, one of them is just the idea of the Libertarian Party tweeting a quote from the Satanic Church. <laughs> mm. That might be enough of an answer, actually. That that's <laughs> I think that might have conveyed everything we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Libertarian Party, God bless them. There, there are some wonderful people working there who I know work really hard. But it's tough when you have a kind of decentralized organization of rebels and free thinkers where people are just spouting out the first thing that comes to the top of their head. And we, you know, we have to realize that right or wrong, the Libertarian Party is a political organization and we need to be somewhat political. When I say political, I mean diplomatic. You know, we we need to understand how the things we say are going to impact the kinds of people that we want to attract. Because, yeah, ideally, certain things that we say will resonate with Libertarian Party members directly. Though, when that whole satanic thing came out, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> but more importantly, if we're going to share something from Libertarian Party and we and we want people who are active in the party to share that and tag their friends in a way that shows them, hey, here's what the Libertarian Party is all about. We need to create stuff that gives them that opportunity to share with people who are Libertarian curious. It, and it, it's unfortunate because a lot of these kind of more destructive things that we say or do are the things that those people hear about. You know, they don't hear about our everyday average Facebook post, but when you make a huge communications faux pas, then people remember you, remember you as you know, the Satan party, which obviously isn't what we're going for. What do you think is the thought process behind something like that? Because I mean, the quote itself, I mean, I think they're, I, I, I kind of get what they're trying to say, but I don't get why they would say it that way. I mean, the quote itself was not a, a bad quote. It's a very libertarian quote, uh, sort of about, uh, you know, I don't remember what the exact quote, but about, you know, have belief in the individual or whatever. Um, but then, you know, it, it's obvious they were emphasizing the fact that it was from the satanic church for, so there must have been some idea behind that, whether it's shock value, whether it's, I don't know, but I don't know if you have any insight into what you think the thought process might be. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that I have absolutely no idea what whoever posted that was thinking. <laughs> Fair enough. And I, I got to imagine you probably have similar thoughts on, um, you know, Arvin Vora's comments, uh, you know, about the military. And we've done several episodes talking it, about that. So I don't need to go all the way into the weeds, uh, but it does really tie back into what we were talking about earlier uh, with, with not wanting to attack the audience. So you don't want to tell people in the military that they're moralist murderers, even if you think a lot of the actions of the military overall are that because you want to win them to your side. So you don't want to start off with arguments. You don't want to start off with a battle you want to start off uh, either finding common ground or anything but you know telling people they're moralist murderers probably yeah i mean that was really unfortunate and i don't want to sit here criticizing libertarians left and right because this is the movement that i'm a part of and i think it's really important for us to have unity if we're going to maintain quality momentum um and so i largely try to be constructive and positive in in the way that I talk even to libertarians. But since but since you asked, I thought that was really unfortunate. Don't get me wrong. I understand the sentiment behind where he was coming from. And nobody's saying that he is unprincipled for feeling that way or that he's not libertarian enough for feeling that way. But Again, we have to keep in mind how that's making our target libertarians feel. And keep in mind, too, that 
um, among active duty military and veterans, I believe also Ron Paul and Gary Johnson, that those were their top choices. You know, they were, they were our, some of our best advocates because having experienced what they have, you know, for whatever reason that they decided to join the military. And I think most of their intentions are are honorable. I don't think anybody's joining the military saying, oh, cool, I hope I go get to murder some people today. When when they come home from those experiences, they're some of our most credible, credible advocates for peace, because they can, especially if they're saying, hey, we're actually making the problem worse by being there, which a lot of them are standing up and saying things like that, to then affirmatively go out and really insult them at a at a deep human level is really sad, you know. And I remember that, um, you know, when I saw that, the first thing that came to mind was during Gary Johnson's campaign. Before I started kind of advising the campaign a little bit more directly, I was making these independent videos, and one of them that I did was talking to veterans about why they supported Gary. And we had several veterans who came out and and let me film them talking about why they were in favor of Gary's foreign policy and how it's, you know, it's a big misconception that us being involved all over the world is actually making us any freer or any safer. And you and I can say that all day long, but it's a lot more convincing coming from someone who was in the military, you know? And so I thought of how offended those people must be. And I know so many people who were in the service who have now come around to be libertarians because of that experience. So we just need to find a way to be a little more diplomatic and inclusive of the type of people who, I mean, if, if people were to talk about, oh, you know, everyone who works for the federal government is a moralist traitor spy, you know, <laughs> that's going to kill my chances of ever making a compelling argument about libertarian anything to anyone in my family. Right. And a lot of what you hear in response to that, a lot of people will say, well, you're just trying to water down libertarianism. We shouldn't water things down. But, you know, it's it's not watering things down to speak to people like they're humans. You can still deliver a bold, strong serious principled message with without doing that and i think that one of the best examples is ron paul i mean he's someone who inspired so many people but especially people in the military and all he did was talk about how everything the military is doing is wrong i mean he talked about how the wars are wrong how you know having the bases all over the world is wrong morally wrong but he never said you 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 individual soldiers you're wrong you are morally wrong you are bad people he didn't do that and and i think the results spoke for themselves he got the most nations of any Republican or Democrat candidate from from the military when he was running for president while decrying the acts of the military. And he did all of that without pushing those people away. They actually embraced him for it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we need to distinguish between policy and people. Absolutely. Well, Jen, I know that is one of your many missions that you ha- are doing out there, especially uh, not just with your marketing business, but with your the Leading Liberty podcast. So why don't you just give everybody out there kind of one more roundup of everything you're doing, where they can find you on social media, your website, uh, podcast, the whole deal. Well, the best place to find me is on my website at jengray.com, where I have a number of free resources over there for people who are interested in in getting started with marketing. Um, I also have a course that's now inside the Libertarian Leadership Academy uh, on how to knock 100 digital doors a day with Facebook video ads and get the haters to help you. Um, They can also find my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. It's called Leading Liberty, or they can go to uh, jengray.com and they'll see it 
front and center with all the all the links to all the places they can find it. Jen Gray, keep up the great work and keep on roaring. Likewise, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast, Jen. All right, kitty cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the great, the up-and-coming, the inspiring Miss Jen Gray. Just another great voice out there grinding away and trying to promote the ideas of liberty. And there really are two tracks when it comes to messaging of liberty. And, And the first track, of course, is understanding the message and deciding what that message is and even debating about what the message should be overall. And that's, you know, that's part of what we do on this program. That's why I've had some of the more philosophical types, the Walter Blocks, the Tom Woods, and that sort of person on the show to really delve into the message and and try to sort everything out. Because, you know, even though libertarians may agree on the base ideas, on the ideas of individual rights, when it comes to the little facets of every issue, we don't always agree. And that's okay, because we're not always going to agree on the the nit picks of every little thing. We're not always going to agree on how you apply the ideas of liberty to the current situation when it comes to, say, intellectual property or immigration, because when it comes down to it, a lot of these are very nuanced issues. But the other side of that, the other track, is the marketing and how you actually communicate those ideas to other people. Now, some people take the tack of, screw you, status, you're an idiot, liberty's the best, go away, if you don't agree, you're a big dummy and a tyrant and a fascist. For me, and I used to have that attitude, and in many ways I have that attitude within me, but I do recognize as I grow older, as I talk to more human beings about the ideas of liberty, that's not really an effective path. You really can't communicate with people if they shut you down, and the second you start tossing names out there, uh, it becomes a combative mode instead of a conversation. That's why I have people on like Jen Gray, like Nicholas Wieser last week, like Jason Stapleton and Larry Sharp in our big episode 300 a couple weeks ago. If you haven't heard that, be sure to click back in your podcast feed, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's any of the other billions of podcast apps out there, and give that one a listen. And we try to give you a mix on the show. We try to give you the perspectives of all different types of libertarians, people that come at things from different ways. But at the end of the day, yeah, there are there are certain people that I think are doing a better job, and those are the people that I'm going to try to highlight on this show. If you disagree with them, if you disagree with me, if you have your own ideas, well, great. I want to hear them. You can send me those ideas by joining the Lions of Liberty Forum. That's our private group on Facebook. Just type Lions of Liberty Forum in your search bar, and you'll be able to come over and drop me a line. Drop me some comments. Comment on every show we do. Give us some suggestions for future guests. Another way to do that, if you're Facebook adverse, which I know some people are, understandably, you can tweet to us, at Lions of Liberty. You can also drop me an email personally, Mark, M-A-R-C. Do not put a K in there, guys. Come on. Mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now, there are some of you whose thoughts get a little bit of priority over others, and those, of course, are members of the Lions of Liberty Pride, our pay group for people that are helping support this show, helping us grow this show, covering our costs, making it that we don't have to shell out money out of our pockets to produce this show for you. Three days a week, by the way. You get three days a week of this show every Monday with me, every Wednesday with Brian McWilliams and Electric Liberty Land, and every Friday with John Odermatt on Felony Friday. 
All of that's for free. But if you just can't get enough, you can't get enough of the Lions of Liberty and you want to get even more content, there is plenty more content available if you join the Lions of Liberty Pride for as little as $5 a month. So go ahead and check that out, lionsofliberty.com slash support for all the information you need. We recently just did another edition of our very popular with the Pride members, Conspiracy Corner. You know, I don't really like to get into conspiracy stuff too much on this show because, well, this show is about the ideas of liberty and I try to keep it Mostly to that, even though we do go on plenty of tangents along the way. But for a deeper dive on some bigger conspiracies out there, we started the Conspiracy Corner as a bonus show for our paid Pride members only. And we took a big stab this week on one that was actually a really difficult show to do. Because when you dig into some of this stuff, it just gets weird. Let's just put it that way. But we did take a look at Pizzagate and the conspiracies uh, surrounding the supposed or potential or possible uh, pedophilia rings and their relation to some high-powered people in Washington, D.C. So that is a really interesting one. Again, only five bucks a month. You can get all this extra programming while helping us grow this program, helping us do some things on the marketing end and covering these costs. So we don't need to be shelling out uh, our own hard-earned money to bring you the show. And that's, that's something that we are doing now. We are not paying out of our pocket for anything. Thanks to the great members of the Lions Pride. Thank you guys so much for your support. Also, a quick reminder about the work we are doing in conjunction with Pride member Clint Rankin and his his group, Walk the Walk. Be sure to check out walkthewalktofreedom.com or find the Facebook group, Walk the Walk. This is where we're trying to gather all sorts of libertarians to focus on specific charitable projects to fund through the DonorSea app. I, of course, interviewed Gret Glyer, the founder of DonorSea, an incredible app uh, around episode number 297. Amazing guy. Incredible work he's doing. And we're currently helping to fund a project to uh, build a well in this small village in Malawi. Currently, people in that village have to walk 45 minutes every way. This is 300 families. They have to send people on a 45-minute walk to get dirty water that's getting people sick and causing actual death in this village. And uh, they're going to build a well that is going to completely change the lives of these 300 families in this village. And I think it comes down to something like $1.80 for like 10 years of clean water per person here. So you can really do incredible work with a very little amount of money. So I want you to head over to today's show notes over at Lions of liberty.com slash 302. That's where you'll find all the info regarding this project. And in the meantime, be sure to go and download the Donor C app, D-O-N-O-R-S-E-E. You can look up myself, look up Gret Glyer, look up Clint Rankin. You'll be able to find that project easily on any of our profiles. And again, if you can't find it, just hit me up, Mark, M-A-R-C at lionsofliberty.com. Come over to the Lions of Liberty forum. There's plenty of ways to reach out and find more information about this project. Guys, it's been an absolute blast. Until next time, there's more coming your way this Wednesday with Brian McWilliams, Electric Liberty Land, and again on Friday with John Odermatt. Until you hear from me one week from today, I've only got one more message for you, and that is to live long and live free. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. 
the Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. Got me a bullet in the just one night while you should be a book in a hole.